Welcome to the Key Wellbeing Podcast and our new series, Lunchtime Listens, where it's all about real clients, real employee wellbeing challenges, and of course, real expert advice. Let's get started. So, stress. It's something that the whole world is arguably feeling right now with the cost of living, soaring energy prices, and rising inflation. The list just goes on. It's also something that employees are feeling in the workplace with more than half of British workers saying that they are feeling stressed when we surveyed them last year. Finding ways to reduce stress that employees are feeling should be a top priority for employers and HR leaders. And in fact, it's a legal obligation. We're joined today by employment solicitor Joanne McHale-Young to get into the nitty gritty on the legal duties that employers have in protecting their people from stress at work. Joanne is an employment solicitor with over 10 years experience in assisting clients on the full spectrum of employment law, including everything from bullying and harassment to employee tribunals and more. She's a senior member of the longest serving employment team in Teesside and works for the multidisciplinary law firm Savage Silk Limited. So welcome to our podcast, Joanne. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks, Marie. Really looking forward to having a chat today. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so let's just get straight into it then. We're doing these short and sweet little podcasts. So let's let's get down to it. So there tends to be a lot of confusion around the legalities of supporting employee mental health, particularly with what is and what isn't classed as a disability. So we're really going to be delving in today into what rights people have, uh, what an employer's duty of care actually is. Mm-hmm. So we're really excited to talk to you and to tap into your brain and wealth of knowledge uh, to help employers and HR teams get a clear understanding of their obligations. Yeah. So let's start with a bit of a tricky one. So yeah. what exactly are the legal rules on supporting employees' mental health at work, particularly those that are experiencing stress? Yeah. So if employees are experiencing stress at work, there is the potential um, for those employees to be classed as disabled, legally disabled under the Equality Act. Now, a lot of employers don't realise this and can kind of think, well, a lot of us are under stress at the moment. So what should I be helping? How should I be helping those employees? Do I need to put any additional help in place? Well, kind of the short answer to that is yes, you do need to put support in place. Um The legal duties are contained in the Equality Act. There's a number of common law duties in addition to that. Um, But ultimately, what we need to be doing with our employees, if they are experiencing stress, is making sure they feel safe, making sure they feel protected at work. Um, And that can include looking at how they work. So um, that goes a little bit further into the Equality Act. And in particular, there is actually an express duty on employers to be looking at reasonable adjustments. So... If you've got an employee who's experiencing mental health problems, um, mental health conditions, including stress, and that places them at a substantial disadvantage in comparison to those that aren't suffering from those mental health conditions, then what we need to look at is what is causing that substantial disadvantage and what can we do to prevent that from occurring? And that's where reasonable adjustments come in. And that can include changing how they work, putting in a little bit of extra support, changing working hours, um, adapting procedures, all of those things can help that employee in the workplace. In addition to that. 
Oh, sorry. No, I just had a follow on question from that. So I just want to give you sort of a, an example. So, you know, I've got, let's say I've got an employee who's, um, who's not coming in, um, citing mental health um, as a concern. I've referred them on to maybe some health that I might have, but it's severely impacting their work. Yeah. Um, how, what, 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 what do I have to do as an employer then in that case? Yeah. So if the employee isn't coming into work and their absence is linked to their mental health, what we need to do is put support in place is not to be a kind of assuming the worst, that the reason that they're using their mental health is, is to get out of work because actually there's a, there's a condition here that we need to support in the workplace. Now, if they're not wanting to come in, we need to find out why. And is that because there's a lack of support? So if we go out to them, I would suggest even going out to their home if they're more comfortable with that and chatting to them, having that open communication with them. Nine times out of 10, you're going to be able to stop that from becoming into an issue. And actually, the once they know that you're there to support them, they'll want to come in and they'll want to say, well, actually, and I don't, I don't, no one wants to be off work. Everyone wants to be in work and working. What they want is to feel like they're supported when they are there. So yeah. what we need to do is have that communication with them, find out how we can support them. And chances are that you're actually going to, to get them back into the workplace and reintegrate them. Um, having that communication and putting that support in place can really help any organisation to reduce their absence days linked to mental health. Yeah, which is a huge problem right now that we're seeing across the board. Um, and the the approach that you just said there does sound like a, a really good one and hopefully like, you know, a best case scenario. But in your experience, where are employers going wrong with this then? Yeah, making those assumptions, mm. failing to communicate with the employee and deciding that there's another reason that the employee wants to be off. Now, since the onset of the pandemic in particular, we've seen a great rise in absences and illnesses linked to mental health. Um, and you can see how it does impact on employers and that's where this assumption comes from. But ultimately there's an individual on the other side of this. Now, to deal with that individual, we can't tar everyone with the same brush. And that's particularly what the Equality Act tries to avoid people from doing because what we need to look at is what is this particular employee suffering from? If they are suffering from an impairment, whether that be physical or mental, what can we do to prevent them from feeling that they are placed at substantial disadvantage? Now, making those assumptions places them at a substantial disadvantage. So you're at risk of a discrimination claim before even putting it into place. So that's why we need to have those conversations to prevent um, the, the increase in absence days, prevent employees from wanting to speak to their employee about how they're feeling. Now, if we can get people to open up and communicate early on, we're going to be in a much better position. Mm, absolutely. And to, to your point there, I think that employees are maybe as a result of the pandemic and this kind of rise in hybrid and remote working, they're yeah. starting to look into their rights a little bit more as to how they can change the confinements within which they need to um, deliver that on, the, on their role. Yeah. So they're coming a little, becoming a little bit more clued up, aren't they, in terms yeah. of their rights? Yeah. So, so what happens then if employees don't follow the rules? So if employers, employers, sorry. <laughs> if employers don't follow the rules, they're at serious risk of claims. So there are a number of claims that employees can bring, and we've seen a huge increase in those in recent years. So, for example, if an employee feels like an employer has breached their contract, they're open to bring a constructive unfair dismissal claim. If an employee has been off with a mental health illness and they are absence managed out the business, i.e. the employer decides to dismiss them because of their absence linked to their mental health, they're at risk of unfair dismissal claims. 
linked to that, you've got discrimination claims for disability discrimination. Um, earlier on, we touched upon the, the need to make reasonable adjustments under the uh, under the Equality Act. Now, if an employer fails to make those reasonable adjustments, there's a standalone claim for a failure to make reasonable adjustments. And um, that could be in, in addition to the discrimination and in addition to the unfair dismissal. Um, we've got a safe system of work that needs to be put in place for those employees, a common law duty. If there's a failure under that, you've got a potential for a whistleblowing claim. Now, the employee doesn't need to resign to bring that. They can also, they can stand and sue and bring what is known as a detriment claim. So a detriment claim is a claim that the employee suffered a detriment for a failure by the employer to, uh, to abide by that common law duty. So there's a whole host of claims that can be brought. And in particular, particularly your whistleblowing and discrimination claims have no cap, no statutory cap applies, which means that the compensation is unlimited. Now the risk to the business is huge. So not only do you have potentially uncapped compensation, you also have the adverse press and the negative connotations in the workplace and beyond. Wow, so a lot <laughs> can happen, yeah. Yeah, so this is a, it's a serious thing and you know it's not going to go away and so it's it's really important that employers are, are across this so uh, so thank you for that really good answer um so thinking about some of those legal aspects and um, we've all heard of like the duty of care when it comes to looking after your employees at work mm-hmm. and I think that um, people understand that as well I've got to provide an ergonomic setup and I've got to provide a break room and I've got to provide all these things in the physical environment but what does that actually look like from like, a mental health and stress perspective yeah I mean all of those um, additional aspects that you've just spoke about Marie are all great for well-being and kind of workplace retention in terms of employees but really what it boils down to what an employee wants in their workplace is to feel like they are valued so when we're looking at employer duty of care it really means what has been put in place by the employer to safeguard that employee in the workplace so when safeguarding when you're looking at safeguarding that employee it means that individual employee so if we have an employee who has a mental health concern a mental health such as stress anxiety or depression they might have what looks like a safe system of work to them may look different to what looks like a safe system of work to those that aren't disabled. So you need to consider um, all of those implications. So that that again boils down to communication. You need to talk to that employee and make sure you're doing what you need to do in line with your duties to that particular employee. So the common law duty is all encompassing and that includes looking at the Equality Act and making sure that employee isn't disadvantaged in any way, that that workspace has got the adjustments in place that the employee needs in line with their own needs and that you're not making that broad brush assumption that what you've put in place is going to be particularly correct for every employee in the workplace. Yeah, fantastic. It really is just boiling down to, to individual needs, isn't it? And I guess coming coming back to that, um, boiling down to the culture of the organisation, you know, do we have those open conversations? Do we have managers trained in mental health to be able to even begin those conversations and for it not to feel awkward for them? Yeah. Um, just for them to be empowered with, you know, where their, their duty of care um, starts and ends is, is really important. Um, and you touched on the word disability there in your answer. So is stress categorically defined as a disability or not? I'm going to give you a bit of a lawyer answer here. (laughs) (laughs) So potentially, yes, stress could be classified as a disability. Um, So the definition of disability under Section 6 of the Equality Act is that an individual suffers from a physical or mental impairment 
and that physical and mental impairment has a substantial and adverse long-term effect on their ability to carry out normal day-to-day activities. So if their stress um, then impacts on their normal day-to-day activities, such as um, the struggle to get out of bed, the struggle to make a cup of tea, the struggle to function, and that has been substantial and long-term, long-term meaning over 12 months, then there's a high likelihood that that employee is going to be classified as disabled. And that's when you're at risk. If you don't put in place those conversations and those adjustments and speak to that employee about what you can do to support them in the workplace. Up to 12 months, did you say there, if it's been going on for that long? If it's been going on for 12 months or is likely to last 12 months, then Mm. it's going to be considered substantial, adverse and long term. Right. Okay. It's definitely something for us to be across, particularly with of seeing stress being on the rise across the board. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, then. So in your experience, what you've seen, or maybe just in your opinion, what would you say are some of the key things that employers should be doing to protect those employees uh, and, and their well-being, both in from a physical and mental standpoint in the workplace? Yeah. So first and foremost, communicate, have that open communication, close door policies, especially since the rise of the pandemic and the onset of um, all of those implications that employees have had, such as isolation, um, being taken away from from the managers, being taken away from training and opportunities. They want to be able to communicate with their management. They want to be able to communicate with everyone in the building. So to have that open door policy and feel like they're able to not be treated like an individual and supported, it's going to go a long way. Um, in order to support that conversation, training. Training is really important for your managers, for your staff, understanding mental health. Um, what's a really good framework for the workforce as a whole is also your policies and procedures. Put good policies and procedures in place and then your managers have that to refer back to. If someone comes to them and they're a little bit concerned about the impact their mental health might be having on the work, then the managers, rather than starting that conversation without any framework whatsoever, can refer back to the policies and procedures. What should they be doing to assist that employee? Fantastic, fantastic. So um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff that you just said in there. And uh, for my last question, I think I know what you're going to say. But what do you think is one way that employers can create healthy, happy workplaces? Listen. Are <laughs> <laughs> you going to say something around communication? But yeah. Listen, yeah. Communication. Um, listen to employees, communicate with them. Um Once the employee feels valued, that all feeds back into providing that culture, providing that safe system of work. It's really important, and I know I've said this throughout, is to treat that employee as an individual, make them understand that you are going to listen to their concerns. You are going to understand from their point of view how they feel in the workplace because you you can't assume, you can't decide that one way of working is going to work for them. Now, if you can tackle that at a grassroots level, it really is the values amazing to an employer because you're going to be able to deal with things in-house. Once things escalate outside of the business, the snowball and there's no control out of that. Now, if you can keep the work fit, the workforce happy, content and valued, you're going to have a reduction in claims, you're going to have a reduction of concerns and ultimately that's going to lead to 
um, a profitable business. Now, once you've got businesses that have high rising claims, not only do you have that spreading out into the workforce and impacting on morale and potentially a higher turnover of employees, you also have that out in the world that we've got potential discrimination claims against the business. Now, what we want is for the, all businesses to be known as great employers that have a happy workforce because that's the type of businesses that people want to work with. Yeah, absolutely. So it just comes down to treating our people as the humans that they are, listening yeah. to what they want and need and uh, and trying to create an environment where it's easier to be well and not just putting the onus on that employee. It's like, what can we actually do to create an environment where it doesn't take extra effort for us to be well? Uh, both physically and mentally and a big part of that is listening and communication as you've said so thank you so much um that was so useful and so great to get your insight um particularly in your your expert area um if people would like to get more information or if they want to get more guidance or anything like that with everything that we've talked about where can they find you I'm at Savage Silk. We're based in Preston Farm, Stockton on Tees. Um, we have a great employment team. Where we really love to support employers as well as employees that are going through similar situations as we've just discussed about. Um, we've got great, great experience in that area. And, you know, we love working with all employers in trying to make sure that we can keep them out of the tribunal system what we don't want is like I say those things escalating outside we want to deal with things at a grassroots level and train your staff work with your staff on understanding disability discrimination understanding mental health impairments and making sure that we can kind of nip those in the board and everyone is happy and, and content in the workplace Fantastic. Thank you so much. And once again, thank you so much for making the time. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, I'm sure I'll be seeing you in person soon. But for now, thank you so much. I'll let you go. Thank you, Marie. Thanks for listening to the Key Wellbeing Podcast. Don't forget, we've got a whole library of free guides, toolkits, resources, and fortnightly lunchtime listens, just like this, with an epic lineup of guests, all to help you to create a healthy, happy workplace. Find it all on our website, www.keywellbeing.co.uk.